theme for today is blindness and the restoration of sight. We heard that in the Gospel reading. The Gospel reading was about the blind man outside Jericho um, being healed, and I'll talk more about that in a little while. But also the Epistle reading is about the restoration of sight, particularly if you go back a few verses and you look at what St. Paul says before um, what, was, what we read in the Epistle, you'll find that it's about um, him being called out of his ignorance. And so there is a, a very strong connection there with uh, blindness. So today I want to look at the story of the blind man and explore how our spiritual sight is being restored in Christ. But firstly, let's talk about what spiritual sight is. Perhaps for many people, spiritual sight sounds a little bit airy-fairy, maybe, I don't know, seeing angels or some kind of phenomena. But we're not really talking about that type of thing necessarily, although that may occur. I'm not saying that that's not a thing, but, but primarily what we're talking about is the clearing of the heart or the noose. The, the purification of our sense, of the sense which God has given us, which allows us to experience God, to see God. And also, when we see God clearly, or when God's light shines in us clearly, we also see everything else clearly as well. And that's what spiritual sight really is. It's the ability to see things truthfully. That is, as Christ sees them. That's what seeing things truthfully is. To th- see things the way they truly are. In ourselves in the world, in other people, okay, to see God clearly, all of those things. That's what spiritual sight really is. So we're not talking necessarily about some kind of strange phenomena. We're talking about that sort of thing. In the human condition, what's happened is that our bodies have become primary, unfortunately. That's the, the, the nature of the fall. Our bodies have become primary. We live in our bodies, but we also listen to our bodies more than we listen to most other things, hunger, thirst, or whatever you'd like to think, seem to drive us more than anything else. In the beginning, it wasn't meant to be that way. We were not created that way. The highest faculty, the noose, was to be the guiding, the guiding principle. That's where we commune with God in the heart. And from there, our intellect, our mind is illumined. We, we know how to think clearly, think properly about things, see, see things in their proper light. And our bodies then also... We, we use our bodies and we act in our bodies in the appropriate way, in a way which is suited to support the proper life of the intellect and the proper, proper life of the spirit. Okay, so that's how it's meant to be. That's not how it is. And so when we talk about spiritual blindness, we're talking about the inability of our noose to function properly. So our bodies don't support the proper life of the intellect, which is to look for Christ in the world and in other people and so on. It doesn't support the life of the noose, which is to see God, in, to see God and to see God in everything and other people and so on. So that's what we're talking about here. We're looking about res- restoring that faculty. So let's talk about the blind man. That's the primary story today. We don't know much about him. We know that he begs outside the gates of Jericho. Um, so he receives alms from travellers as they, as they go through. Presumably he's from Jericho. We don't know anything about when he became blind or anything. We're not told anything about him. Um, what we do know is that he, what we really see about him is his reactions. Okay, that's what we really see about him. Apart from what we know him as, a, as begging outside the gate, what we see is his reactions to when Christ comes. So when the crowd comes and he hears that Jesus is coming, he cries out, you know, son of David, have mercy on me. So it's very clear that he knows who Jesus is. So he's been sitting in the gate, presumably for a long time, and he's heard 
people talk about Jesus and he knows who Jesus is. So that's the first thing to say. He knows who he is. He's heard of him. But it's more than that because he also um, knows that he's the Messiah or at least he's calling him by the Messianic title, Son of David, which all the Jews would have known was the title for the coming Messiah. So he, he's calling him that. So he believes that he's the Messiah as well. Okay? But he also has faith in Jesus. We can see that. Because when the crowd tells him to be quiet, don't talk, he cries out again, Son of David, have mercy on me, all the more. So we know that he has faith. He, he's, his faith is such that he's not put off by anything else. All the crowd around him telling him to be quiet, none of that is registering with him. His main focus is on Christ and calling out to Christ. So he has faith in Christ. So all the other voices are, to him, not... He, he can ignore them. He can, he can overlook them. Now, being blind in those days meant that you were reduced to begging, okay, because that's, for most people, they were not wealthy. If they didn't have wealth, if you go blind, you're a beggar. That's, that's it. That's your life. So it's a life of suffering and difficulty. And it also meant that you lived with the common opinion of many people that you were blind because of some moral defect in you. All right? um, I, did, I didn't know this, but apparently this was a thing. But in the past, in, in those times, and actually we hear it in the story of um, the man born blind. In the story of the man born blind, the disciples asked Jesus, is this man blind because of something he did or because of something his parents did? And, the, and Jesus says, neither. He's, he's blind so that the works of God might be, might be manifest in him. But nonetheless, the idea was common that if there was some major defect in you, that was something, that you had done something. Somehow you deserved that. Okay? So, we might think that we don't have that sort of thinking, but we do, obviously. We don't think about blind people in that way anymore, but think about other people who you look at and think... Um, uh, you know, beyond the pale, or whatever. And you'll see that this attitude is still a very common one. Um, you can hear it many times about the unemployed or any other group that you'd like to think about, okay? So it's a, it's a very common attitude that still exists, just not about blind people so much. So there's a blindness there, okay, from the people who are looking on. In any event, it's not easy for someone going through the experience of suffering to ignore the voices that tell them that they're not worthy for Christ to look at them, not worthy to hear his voice or to receive something from him. These, is, these voices sometimes come from outside, from the unbelieving world that we live in, but very often from within, either as expressions of our fallen nature or at the promptings of demons that out of envy seek to destroy us. But as the epistle reading tells us today, Christ came into the world to save sinners and in his long-suffering love and mercy wants to pour out his blessings upon us. So we see that even though the blind man did not have his physical sight, he nonetheless had the spiritual sight necessary to see in Jesus the one who had the power to heal him. On the other hand, those who were telling the blind man to be quiet, what did they see in Jesus? Clearly not the one who comes to heal a poor blind man. Perhaps they only saw a leader who they thought would free them from the Romans or perhaps something else. But in any case, 
Their attitude to the blind man prevented them from participating positively in a miracle that would manifest God's glory. Sure, they may have rejoiced with everyone else after he was healed, but it's easy to go along with the crowd after the fact. I wonder how often we fail to see the way that Christ sees and get in the way of what he wants to do in us and around us and miss out on participating with him in his work. So now we have a question. What is, what is it the blind, what, why is it that the blind man is able to see spiritually, to see that Jesus is the source of his healing, to see that he's Messiah? Why is it that he can see that and those around him who have their physical sight are unable to see that? Consider the life of the blind man. He's blind and begging, so that kind of life is a very humbling life. All right? There's not a lot of pride involved with begging. You've all seen beggars in the streets. Okay, you go to the shopping centre, sometimes you see people sitting down with a cardboard and the hat or a box or something like that and talking, and maybe they've written something, but there's no pride there most of the time. You can see that they're pretty, they're pretty down and out. They're not thinking much very highly of themselves. It's a humbling life. So um, it's a very humbling life. And there are some things in life that we suffer needlessly, uh, because we're doing something that harms us, but we could change it. Maybe we eat too much, talk too much, I don't know, drink too much, whatever it happens to be. Okay? There are things that we can change. But there are other things that we have no power to change, we still suffer. And we can rage against those things, or we can patiently endure them, but of ourselves we don't have the power to change them. But we can see in the way that the blind man acts that he has patiently endured his blindness and this humbling experience has purified his heart. And remember that Jesus said, blessed are, the, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. We just sang that before. Such that he sees in Jesus, he sees Jesus rightly as his Lord and the one who can heal him. For that reason, he's able to ignore all the other voices clamoring around him and call out to Christ when he's near at hand. Notice that he doesn't react to them directly but maintains his clarity of focus on Christ. When we call out to Christ humbly, knowing that he is the only one who can really heal us, he never fails to hear us. In this case, he healed the blind man and the blind man followed him rejoicing. In general, Christ answers not necessarily in the way that we wish or hope, but in the way that is best for our salvation. Nonetheless, he always answers us. So we've now seen the circumstances of the blind man um, and how the circumstances worked in such a way that his, his um, sight was, his spirit, he had spiritual sight enough to see um, that Christ was the one who could heal him. So he had that humility to see that. Let's now consider another case, which is the case of St. Paul. In the epistle today, we read sort of half of that section in the epistle reading. Just before that, he talks about his ignorance and being saved from his ignorance. So I'll just read that now. St. Paul said, I thank, him that through, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged, me, he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service, though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor and insolent opponent. But I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief, and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. So he was taken out of his ignorance because he was a persecutor. He, he was opposed to God. But that was out of ignorance. And so God knew that that was out of ignorance, out of blindness, out of his spiritual blindness. And he, he, he saved him. 
Now recall the circumstances of his calling. So this is not the epistle reading, but the general circumstances of his calling. He was a very well-educated Pharisee and a zealous defender of the Jewish religion. He himself said that with respect to the law, he was blameless. And yet he didn't recognize Jesus as the Messiah. And so obviously he didn't believe that he needed Christ in order to be saved. He was in a state of spiritual blindness. Now on the road of Damascus, he was confronted by Christ and struck physically blind as a sign of his spiritual blindness. Being helpless, he was led by the hand into Damascus and there he humbled himself for three days with fasting, eating and drinking nothing in that time. When Ananias, having been sent by God, came to Paul, who was then still Saul, Saul was healed, receiving the Holy Spirit and being baptised. So it's amazing how God is able to arrange things in just the right way to open our eyes to him. It didn't, doesn't need to take a long time or a serious injury or disability, but as with the blind man, humility here is the key. Saul realised his blindness and humbled himself until Christ through Ananias healed him. So whereas with the blind man, his condition was not something he could change himself, he was blind, that's not something he could do anything about. With St Paul, his blindness came about through his own actions done in ignorance. But part of the healing of both of them was humbling themselves in order to see that Christ was the one who could heal them. For us to see God and have our, our hearts purified, like the blind man and St. Paul, we need to patiently accept what we can't change and call out to Christ continually, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. For the blind man, Christ was not yet crucified, not yet risen, and the Holy Spirit had not yet come. This is before the Passion. So he had just one chance to meet Christ on the road outside Jericho. How much more fortunate are we that we have Christ living within us and can call out to him at any time? Let us not legit neglect such a great gift as this and continually strive to have the eyes of our hearts opened to see the beauty and majesty of Christ and what he has done for us. Set apart.